I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Monday, April 25th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business finance and tech all in less than seven minutes. So Jay, you've spent the past few weeks in California. You say you've seen the future. How was it? What did you see? Let's get to this straight. It wasn't a few weeks. It was like five days. It seemed like a long time because I missed the podcast, though I did listen to every single one. So count me as one of those people that listen in, even when I'm not on the pod. Brett, if San Francisco is the future, and I believe in some respects it is, here's what we may be seeing. One, many, many, many more electric vehicles many more autonomous vehicles, many more electric autonomous vehicles. That's the first thing, including a gorgeous Rivian that I happen to witness and touch, even though I probably wasn't supposed to. There are going to be a lot more e-scooters. Sorry for those that do not like this trend. I'm one of them. But then when you see people only, you think it might be a good way to get around. So I expect we will see some of them. The new status symbol among the sort of, I would say, tech elite is converted sprinter vans. Have you seen this? Where you yeah, take like a sprinter you, van and make it a toy. You live in it and like drive up and down the California coast? Yes, although I think you live in it, but you really live in a gigantic coast, either in Pacific Heights or Coal Valley or somewhere or in Marin County, and then drive this, uh, you know, some part of the summer. And then the trend that I think we're going to see, which is prevalent in San Francisco, is just fleece vests everywhere with a logo on it. No, yeah, no. That's what I saw the most. I think a lot of these are, I think you're right on some of these, Jay, but I think you're wrong on a lot of them. I'll just push back for a second. I think scooters will never come here. There's just too much regulatory capture around them that it, it just it will never happen. They've been trying now for years. I think that's off the table. Fleece best, that's a uniquely San Francisco thing. And I think those are, are out of trend now there as well. And so I think, I think those are losing pace. But I do think you're right about electric vehicles. Obviously, we talk about them a lot in the peak daily and autonomous. Autonomous, it was crazy. You sent me like a video or like pictures of like autonomous taxis, self-driving taxis driving around. I agree that that's going to be coming here very soon. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, and we'll see how they do in, in cold and clement, uh, slippery weather because they seem to be driving fine in San Francisco where the weather is really perfect for driving at any moment. Well, Brett, it's good to be back. Thanks for sailing the ship while I wasn't here. It's probably better that I wasn't. But what do we have for Peak Bells today? No, no, Jay. I actually personally missed you, and I actually found them much harder to make these podcasts without you than with you, and so I'm actually very happy you're back. But for our first story, not our queen. For our second story, yoga membership. And for our third story, Twitter screams authoritarianism. <laughs> Ironic. We'll get to that. For our first story, the queen had a lovely 96th birthday. Prince Harry dropped in for a surprise visit. Mattel made a special Barbie doll in tribute to her, and she posted a great photo flexing alongside her ponies, Katie and Nightingale. But then Angus Reid had to rain on the parade. They came along and ruined all the fun by releasing a new survey that found 51% of Canadians favor abolishing the monarchy here, they being party poopers this weekend. Brett, what's the story or history with Canada and our official head of state, the Queen? Well, it's, it's a storied history. And I, you know, this is probably more for you, Jay, the resident American yeah. is for the rest of the Peak Pals. But for those who aren't as familiar with the history as Jay, Canada, or as I am, sorry, Canada is one of the 15 current Commonwealth realms that still legally recognize the English monarch, Queen Elizabeth, as its reigning head of state. In Canada, the Governor General, Mary Simon, she acts on behalf of the Queen to do things like swear in new prime ministers and grand royal assent to bills in Parliament. That's right, we still actually technically do require the Queen's approval for the really big stuff. But, Brett, as we like to talk about a lot, trends. There is a trend 
where Commonwealth countries are severing ties with the British crown. Barbados did it last November, and very publicly, Jamaica announced plan to do the same last month. With public opinion dropping, Brett, does that mean Canada will be next to boot the crown? I wouldn't get your hopes up, Jay. It's not looking too likely. Parliament, the Senate, the House of Commons, and every province would need to unanimously agree to remove the British crown as the head of state. Now, when was the last time that all these groups could agree on really anything? It's been a long time. And here's the bottom line. The monarchy isn't an outsized financial burden for Canada. It costs taxpayers about $1.55 per person over the 2019-2020 fiscal year. That's less than what it was to pay for CBC. So going through all that trouble to drop the royals now might be seen as just too much work. Besides, Canada may have missed its chance to get rid of the royals for good in 1867 when it was working on that whole confederation thing, which I do know about because I'm studying to become a citizen, Brett. Oh, wow. That's actually big news. I didn't know that, Jay, but congratulations on that. Or they could have gone your route as well and just had fought a war over it. For our second story, Lululemon is launching two membership plans this year in a bid to drive customer brand loyalty and help reach its ambitious goal of doubling sales to $12.5 billion by 2026. Jay, what would I get now with a Lululemon membership? It's a great question, Brex. I know you're going to line up for it. Well, one plan is free, so that's the easy one. It'll give users early access to new items and invites to in-person community events. The other, well, it costs about 40 bucks a month, and it's centered around online exercise classes. The CEO, Calvin McDonald, shared his rationale at an analyst meeting on Wednesday saying, quote, the more they sweat, the more they spend, <laughs> and claimed that Lululemon is, quote, only 1% of the total addressable market of $650 billion for premium athletic wear. A hot tip for the peak pals out there, you can go to Uniqlo and you can buy the same stuff for a fraction of the price. But that's just a, that's a quick tip for the peak pals out there. And But this is why it matters. Loyalty programs have become an increasingly popular way to retain high quality customers in a massive and a hyper competitive market like athletic wear. Nike or Nike, sometimes we call it that, the world's biggest sportswear company takes the gold medal when it comes to highly individualized retail offerings and workout apps. But then last month, Adidas, the number two to Nike's number one, revamped its membership program, introducing a tiered system that unlocked through earning points. Now, Lululemon competitors Allo and Fabletics already have companion workout apps called Allo Moves and Fabletics Fit. Those two are respectively called them. And attention for individual brands is limited and competition is fierce. Lululemon is betting their new programs, including a new resale program, will set it apart from the pack, especially those two competitors you just named. I don't know if I named them correctly, but I did name them. For our final story, a Twitter Canada executive has reportedly likened the federal government's plan to regulate the internet to the approach of authoritarian countries like North Korea and Iran. This is according to the Global Mail. So, Brett, that feels like kind of hyperbole, but where does all this come from? You know, it almost feels like while Elon doesn't actually own the company, his influence is definitely being felt. So here's the context. The Liberals' last attempt to regulate harmful online content was proposed through Bill C-36, which received wide-ranging blowback, including a report by a University of Ottawa law professor who said the legislation was fundamentally flawed. Ultimately, the bill died when the 2021 election was called. Now, according to the Global Mail's Bill Curry, the private letter from Twitter's public policy director takes particular issue with the proposed creation of a digital safety commissioner who would have the power to block access to specific websites. And he didn't mince words. In the letter, he said, people around the world have been blocked from accessing online services in a similar manner 
as the one proposed by Canada by multiple authoritarian governments, China, North Korea, and Iran, for example, under the guise of online safety, impeding people's rights to access information online. That is serious stuff, Jay. It certainly is. And that's really the big picture here, Brett. Many have expressed strong opposition to the draft legislation for over freedom of speech concerns, which the government has said it will consider. But as far as supporters go, TikTok Canada's director of public policy and government affairs wrote that the company agrees with and supports the proposal's main principles. It it's, uh, makes, you, uh, makes you wonder. It certainly does. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to. And only. Daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, it's just great to be back with the Peak Pals. Thanks, Jim.